Hola familia, hoy es un día muy especial. Hey family, this is a very special day. It's special because we are gathering together from wherever we are as one family. In our living rooms, in our driveways, in our cells, in wherever we are, we're connecting with God, one another, and our purpose. And I believe that when we gather and connect in that way, God does incredible, impossible things things. So I hope you're coming expectant today. You know, we are stepping into a whole new series of conversations today called All You Need Is Love. It's a discussion through the book of 1 John, where we get this incredible picture of who God is and who He is inviting us to be together. In fact, there's a verse in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, I want to read to you because it seems to just anchor us so well in this conversation. It says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. En español, En esto conocemos lo que es el amor en que Jesucristo entregó su vida por nosotros. Así también nosotros debemos entregar la vida por nuestros hermanos. This powerful love of Jesus is a self-giving love. And the invitation for you and for me is to be this people of love together, pursuing Jesus, chasing after him, preferring one another and giving ourselves away for the sake of Jesus and his great name. Because of his self-giving love, we can proclaim with assurance and truth that God has already done great things. He has done great things by giving us Jesus, this one who we gather to worship. More than that, in these days, we have seen God continue to do great and wonderful things as our provider, as our sustainer, and as our leader. And so I invite you, wherever you're at, whatever circumstance you're facing today, would you join with us in worship as we proclaim, He has done great things. Sing it with me. Come, let us worship. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things.
his wonderful acts glory in his holy name let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice look to the Lord and his strength seek his face always isn't it so true that our God has done great things I would encourage you to reflect on his faithfulness as we continue to sing and worship through song Turn into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine Yes you do And out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you Our God is great. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. Our God. Our God. Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Cause our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. stop us and if our God is with us then what can stand against and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us then what can stand Stronger, 
praise of our hearts. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. Father God, you are enthroned. You are above all. You are king of kings. You are majesty. You are Lord of lords. You are above it all. And Father, we declare, as we just sang about that, we praise you. We praise you with all of our being, knowing that we are nothing without you. The name of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, invade this space, invade every living room. God, take over. We want you. We don't want us. We need you. Father, send down your agape love to fill us so that we can pour out for your kingdom so that others can see you through us. Father, continue to teach us as we worship and hear your word. We give you this time. We give you it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in today. I'm grateful to share this time once again with you. And I'd love to start just by inviting you to think back to when was the last time that you received a written letter? In our digital world, these are less and less common, which in a way might make them more special. But I wonder if you can recall the last time you received a written letter. Anytime somebody writes a letter, it's always for a purpose. Could be to inform, could be to encourage, maybe even admonish. There's lots of different reasons that people might write a letter. But I wonder if you can recall receiving a letter written by someone else that was so meaningful and so significant that you kept it, that you saved it to refer to later. Can you think of a time that you did that? I don't know how many letters you've saved or what they have been about, but I'll tell you that this letter right here is one that I have saved. I've had this letter for more than 15 years. It's special to me. It's significant, not just for the words written in it, but for the love expressed behind those words and really who it's from. See, this letter is written by my mom to me. And my mom was someone who loved me, who sacrificed and invested in me in lots of different ways. And, and she wrote this letter to me 15 years ago to encourage me, to remind me of who I am before God and who I am in her eyes. And in a way, I learned what love was. I experienced love through her letter and in a way learned how to love. See, letters can be important. They can communicate information. They can communicate things we need to hear and know. And it's important to understand that when we experience love from someone, we learn how to love. That's important for us today, even as we begin this conversation, because our ability to love is often shaped by our experience with love. That's to say that we usually love others in the way that we have been loved. Or maybe you could think about it this way. That whenever we know we're greatly loved, we can love greatly. Whenever you and I know that we are loved much, we're positioned to love much ourselves. We can love abundantly. We can love freely. 
We're able to love much when we know we are loved much. Again, whenever we know we're greatly loved, we can love greatly. And love, my friends, is a very interesting thing. It is, it is a powerful, if not one of the most powerful motivators in the world. It's simultaneously simple yet complex. It's gentle yet at the same time powerful. And when we understand it, when we live it out in healthy ways, we flourish in life. Those around us can flourish in life, even in difficult times. It's the uniqueness of what love actually is. And my mom was someone who was the most, one of the most godly people I've ever known. And I use the past tense because my mom is no longer with us. She died a little over six years ago after battling cancer for more than a decade. But as I rethink back over who she was, she was someone who knew she, knew she was loved and she loved much as a result. In fact, she loved in a way that was unequaled in her love. And that's not in any way diminishing of anybody else's love, but mothers do that. M- mothers love uniquely. They, they love without limits, without bounds, and it's a very beautiful thing. Yet in a very similar way, we could talk about the love of God to an even greater degree. See, God loves you. He loves me. He always has. And he demonstrates that love in the person of Jesus. He demonstrates love in Jesus. Now, there was a guy who we know about in the Bible who actually wrote sections of the Bible. His name was John. And John highlighted that love of God in probably one of the most famous, well-known verses in all of Scripture, John 3.16. You may even know it. Simply says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because God loves, he sent Jesus. And that's good news, my friends. That is incredible good news, that God loves us so much. He cares for us so personally that he came to demonstrate it in person. That's what John 3.16 tells us. But what's interesting is that there's kind of a a mirrored verse of another John 3.16, but it's 1 John 3.16, which is from a different book of the Bible that really could say was John's second writing. Here's what we know from 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. My friends, love is powerful. And when we know we are loved greatly, we can greatly love. It's the beauty of the dynamic. Now, I want you to understand something about this man, John. See, he was originally a fisherman, and, and he and his brother became disciples of a man named John the Baptist. And they were following John the Baptist until he and his brother, John and his brother James, began to follow the man Jesus. Now, what's interesting about that is that they were first cousins. John was a first cousin with Jesus because John's mom was Salome, and Salome was a sister of Jesus' mom, Mary. And John himself was actually one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. He was the youngest of the 12 disciples of Jesus, and he would go on to live a long life. And in that journey, he would end up writing five things that we know as books of the Bible. It would include the Gospel of John, as well as the book of Revelation. And in between are three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And for the next few weeks, as a church family, we're going to lean in and digging into the first of those letters so that we can understand the realities of love, that all you need is love. And we're going to take time to just lean deeper into that journey. And we, again, want to understand the fullness out of the reality that when we know that we are greatly loved, we can love greatly. So I want to invite you just to grab your Bible, maybe even download the Bible app, and begin to work your way towards 1 John. It's the first of those three letters. And today we're laying a foundation that will set the course and really set the tone for the rest of the conversation. So there's a lot of information to go, but it positions us to walk through the rest of the journey in understanding that all you need is love. So if you're turning to 1 John, you can kind of skip through the New Testament and head towards the back. It's before the book of Revelation and before a little book called Jude. You'll find 1, 2, and 3 John. It's after 1 and 2 Peter. And we're going to really start today with verse 1. And again, in this time, looking to dig deeper into understanding the fullness of what love is.
So we're looking in 1 John. We're going to actually introduce you to a reading plan a little bit later in our service today. But we're going to lean today right now into the beginning of this book. See, this, this is actually a letter. It, it was a letter probably written between 85 and 95 AD. And it was written in Greek. It wasn't written to a specific person or a specific location. It was, it was really a circular letter. It was written to be passed around and shared among believers, people who follow Jesus. It's very clearly written to those who follow Jesus. And it's believed that John wrote it when he was in his later years living in Ephesus, before he would end up being exiled on the island of Patmos. And it's in that space that he's actually recalling experiences from maybe 60 to 70 years ago in his life, but he still remembered them with clarity. And this is where we're able to step in and understand this letter that was, that was written when we weren't around, that was circulated before we existed, has been preserved for us to understand. It's not written by a parent to us. It's written by someone who saw and heard and witnessed things that can shape and influence our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's significant. And we're going to lean into this today, and let's just start digging in right with verse 1. So if you're there, you can follow along. First John, starting at verse 1, and we'll end up to verse 4. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. John right now already is declaring personal experience in this. And he skips right at the very beginning. He skips over any formal introduction that would have been part of a regular letter of this day. It's almost like he's bursting in the room with anticipation and excitement to say, listen, you got to know something. And he dives deep right away with an invitation to understand the fullness of who Jesus was. And when he talks specifically about the beginning, he's not talking about the beginning of the world or the beginning of creation. He's actually talking about the beginning of all things. He, he's talking about the beginning that was before anything, when all that existed was God. That's pretty incredible. And he says this, he says, We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. He's talking about Jesus. And in verse 2, this one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. Now, John says they've seen, they saw, and you may think that he's doing that out of emphasis, but it's, it's not repetition at all because he's interchanging some Greek words that have slightly different meanings. He's using the Greek word horaho, which is really talking about optical vision of seeing physically with our eyes. But he's also using the Greek word theomai, which is really speaking about gazing at or studying until understanding breaks through. And he's declaring when he says we, that he along with the other disciples studied and looked into who Jesus was and have realized and understood that he is the word of life. And he's positioning himself even now to proclaim and testify that. Let's just keep reading. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he, Jesus, is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that, now, he's saying, look, we vetted this, we vouch for this, and I'm giving you the reason why I'm writing this whole letter. It's actually the first of several reasons that he declares what he says in this letter. And so when he says, so that, here it is, listen to this, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that, this is the second reason, you may fully share our joy. That your joy will be complete. That, that all who read along with John in fellowship and relationship would have the fullness of love and joy in relationship with God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. See, if we were to comb through the entire book of 1 John, we would actually find about five different reasons that John declares why he wrote this. We, we hear early on, just as he said about the fellowship of believers, he just said that. We talked about the fullness of understanding what the joy that is available in relationship. But if we go through the rest of the letter, we'll find things about deliverance from sin. We'll find things about assurance of eternal life, as well as confidence before God. And we'll get to those through the rest of our journey. But Today, as we lean into this first part of the letter, we have an opportunity to understand that the heart of all things, at the heart of this conversation, is the reality that love is central. It's the centrality of love. God's love expressed in Jesus to be experienced by us and expressed through us. 
Love is the centerpiece of life. It's the centerpiece of holiness. And when we love well in any relationship, there is fulfillment, there is well-being, and there is flourishing for us and for those around us. There is a completed joy. Now, we all know that the most important things in life aren't actually things. We know that the most important things are relationships. And that makes a lot of sense because God has created us for relationship. He, he has innately wired within us a desire for relationship, a desire for relationship with others, but also, and more importantly, a desire for relationship with Him. Our Life in Circles conversation positioned us to understand some of the nuances of that reality. But in this brief but yet deep letter, John tells us the truth about relationships, and he invites us to go deeper. And he will show us how to have real relationships now and for eternity. So coming out of our Life in Circles conversation, we have an opportunity to deepen those circles of relationship with an understanding of how God has designed us to step to the next level in each of those dynamics for you and for me, because all you need is love. See, love is and always has been a very complex concept. In many ways, it's an emotion, it's a state of mind, it's a choice, it's an ability, it's a gift, it's a, it's a force. And we're going to dig deeper into what love is through the rest of our journey. We even have a segment a little bit later in our service to help unpack the realities of biblical love. But it helps us understand now that the ancient Greeks used anywhere upwards of four to eight words to describe love when we end up in the English only using one word. There are four primary words that the Greeks used. Storge is one. It refers to affection. Uh, Phileo, which is a friendship love. Uh, Eros, which is more of a sexual or erotic love. But then agape, which is a selfless, deep and abiding love. That's biblical love. They had other words for flirtatious. They had other words for committed or obsessive. There were, there were other words that kind of pulled back towards love, but the biblical love that we're looking at, the biblical love, love we're invited to and modeled by Jesus is agape love. It's deep and it's abiding. We'll get to that a little bit later in our service, but the reason I want to note it now, the reason it's important to mention is it helps us understand why all we need is love. See, in the English, we use one word for love to describe lots of different things, and that's okay. But as we lean into understanding biblical love, it's agape, it's deep, it's abiding. Most of the time we think about love, the primary definition in the dictionary is simply strong affection for another. And that's good, but it's surface. It doesn't go deeper into agape love. It's okay to start there. And it actually connects to the realities of biblical love because at the heart of this conversation, at the heart of the conversation that John is writing in his letter, is the reality that Jesus, who is the example for us in all things, said, if we love him, we will love others. He said, if we love others, we demonstrate our love for him. And if we don't do either, we, we don't do either one, we negate the other. That's, that's simple, but it can be complex. In fact, it was John who, a little bit later in the very same letter, in chapter 4, would specifically remind us of what Jesus taught when he said this. This is 1 John 4, starting at verse 20. If anyone boasts... I love God, and goes right on ha hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. That is both simple and complicated. It's even difficult, but fortunately, we don't have to do it on our own. God wants to work in and through us with his love. And all we need is love. And when we know that we are greatly loved, we can love greatly in any and everything. So, you know, there is this reality of the complexity, the complexity of love and the things that we experience in life. And I'll tell you that this letter reminds me of how my mom loved me. Out of love for God, she loved me and she loved others. And this letter was an expression of that love. And again, I don't keep it simply for the words. I keep it because of the meaning and the love expressed behind those words. And what the Bible represents to us is also a letter of love that has good news, the good news about Jesus. And let me tell you, the good news of, of Jesus, some people think, is that God hates you, but if you trust Jesus, he will love you. My friends, that's not the good news. The good news of Jesus is that God has always loved you, no matter what you have done. And he demonstrates it in the person of Jesus. 
that he invites you to respond to his love, to return his love. And if you do, you will receive life. You will receive love. You will receive light in new measure and new quantities, abundantly, greatly. The good news is that God has always loved you and me. You and I are beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God. And he invites us into relationship. Jesus says, though, that if we love him, we will love other people. And as John continues his letter, he's going to help us understand and place significant value on the importance of relationships with other people and how they, those relationships directly impact our relationship with God. It's incredibly important to understand. So as we begin our journey, I really just want to invite you to do one thing, maybe even challenge you or dare you to do one thing. I want to I challenge you to be willing to do one thing in your relationship with people, but also your relationship with God. And it's simply this. Stop asking if you agree and start asking if you love. Stop asking if you agree and start asking if you love. Lots of people, especially in these days, are defining their relationships and their conversations and their lives around asking about agreement. And it's fracturing so many things in our world right now. But I challenge you to stop asking if you agree and start asking if you love. Maybe that's a conversation and decision in how you approach God, but certainly in how you approach relationship with other people. Whenever we're willing to do that, there's so much more for you and I to experience in that posture. I've really tried in this season to really quit asking if I agree with people and to really start just simply asking myself, am I truly loving that person in this space? And I want you to join me. I invite you to join me. It's incredibly important. It creates greater opportunity for them, for us, anyone around us. And it doesn't mean that we forfeit truth. It doesn't mean we don't engage in healthy debate or conversation. It just means we choose to love first. And out of that love, to do everything else, just like Jesus did. Be someone this week, and especially as we walk through the rest of this journey, who's willing to stop asking if you agree and start with asking if you love. And to live that out as Jesus modeled for us. The rest of this journey in 1 John is going to help us understand how to do it. It's going to help us understand as we unpack the letter how, how to be a person who loves. Because all we do need is love. And this thing right here, this Bible, this is a love letter. It's a love letter to you and me. And I hope that you treasure every part of it. But for the next few weeks, I want to encourage you to lean in specifically to 1 John with us. So that you and I can continue to unpack the truth of what this witness, this person who was with Jesus, this man John experienced, saw, that was proven and he can vouch for so that we can receive all that there is from this letter. Letters are impactful, powerful. They communicate information, they can encourage, they can admonish. And as we lean forward in this conversation, I want to encourage you to join me and the rest of the church family in receiving all that God wants to say in and through this letter that John wrote. In fact, I also want to encourage you to consider leaning into a few resources, even a reading plan, some next steps as we walk this journey. And I want to invite Pastor Josh to take a moment right now to describe what those things are. Well, hey, friends, uh, Pastor Sean just gave us a, a great foundational look at the first letter that John wrote to the church. And I'm excited about this series that we are launching into this weekend uh, and just to see what 1 John has for us as we lean into it over the next couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, there's a specific challenge that I want to throw out your way, an invitation of, of just really getting intentional about reading the scriptures together. In fact, there's a very specific reading plan that we wanna invite you into, and it's called The Writings of John. It's 25 sessions, and it covers the Gospel of John and all three of John's letters. And what I love about that is that there are so many themes that John lays down in the Gospel of John that he picks back up in his letters, and we just see all of these great connections. And so I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do as we lean into this together. Now, practically speaking, I want to talk through how to kind of get lined up with this plan. If you want to join in with us, I would encourage you to go to your web browser and, uh, and just type in Bible.com, or you can click on your phone if you've got the YouVersion Bible app, and click on Plans. And once you get there, you can uh, just use the search bar, 
and type in Writings of John, and this plan will pop up. You can click Start This Plan, and uh, you can even, there's even a setting there where you can make the plan public to others so that people can kind of keep you accountable, but also just have a little bit of interaction as you read this plan together. So I want to invite you to do that. Now, the scriptures are beautiful, beautiful, and and it's going to be so meaningful to lean into this. I, I have found that when we move into the scriptures with humility, God is able to shape us into the image of Jesus through that time of engagement. And so I want to just invite you into this because I think that as we read these scriptures together, as we engage in the writings of John, we will truly discover that all you need is love and particularly All you need is the love of Jesus following in his footsteps the whole way through. So I I would love to see you join in with us in this reading plan together.
on, sing. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb. Come on. Till I met you. in me interior me escondía de ti Señor más tu perdón Come on. me liberó tu voz me habló of the song that we just sang, that God calls us out of the darkness and into his glorious day. And here's the reality. God calls us out of the darkness because he loves us. He loves us with an unending, passionate love. And the reality is today is that it doesn't matter where we've been or where we've gone or what we've done. The God of the universe, the creator of the ends of the earth, loves you and he loves me. In fact, when we're talking about God's heart for us to love people, we have to understand that we first must encounter His great love for us. And so listen today, you may be in a place where you've heard about God's love for you as we engage scripture today, and and you're in a place where you're just like, you know what, I've never encountered His love. Maybe you've never even encountered real love at any point in your life. I want you to know today that God is sitting here with open arms saying, if you'll just come to me, I love you. 
I'm not mad at you. I've never turned my back on you. I love you. And this simple invitation is just simply to come. In fact, today, if that's you, you're in a place where you're like, I want to make that step. I encourage you right now uh, to text the word faith to the number below. Text the word faith to 309-250-2007. Because as you do that, we're going to follow up with you this week with resources and even to have conversation for you on what it would look like for you to walk with Jesus and to encounter the incredibly great love of God. You see, if we're going to love others greatly, we must first encounter the great love of God. And I invite you to do that today. And maybe you're in a place where you have already encountered His love and you're just curious, how do I engage more? How do I learn more about God's love for me? And really, that's what our invitation that Pastor Josh gave you earlier to jump into this Bible reading plan that we're going to do together as a church called the Writings of John. And I really, I invite you to jump in to be a part of that. In fact, you know, I've already today got on my Version Bible app and I registered myself uh, for that plan. In fact, it's going to start Monday. And kind of what my routine looks like on a daily basis is my alarm goes off, I get out of bed, and I make sure I grab coffee. You guys know that's important. And then I simply grab my phone, and I take the first 10, 5 to 10 minutes of my day to simply go through whatever Bible reading plan that I'm going through. And starting on Monday, it's going to be this Writings of John reading plan. And one of the beautiful things that I found in the Version Bible app or Bible.com is that you can actually do this with friends. And the beauty is, is I'll read the scripture and then there's a, a note, a place there that says, talk it over. And I can just write notes to say, hey, this is what impacted me. Or, hey, these are questions that I have. And I found the beauty of doing that plan together. So I encourage you, jump in yourself. And then if you're comfortable, maybe have some friends you want to do it together. That is a beautiful way to engage this. As we close today, I invite you to check out this video. It unpacks a little bit more for you and for me what God's agape love looks like and means for us. So I invite you to check this video out. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting more nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. 
Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love.